Hello and welcome to episode 176 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Now hopefully you've just tuned in from the back of episode 175, which was part one of my two-part special with the absolutely beautiful Brandon Boyd. We've talked so far about Incubus, his music influences, and the bands that have shaped his music and love for today. But this is all about his artwork. This is all about creativity, mental health, and how to lead a better life, a healthier life, and all round just general chit chat. And it's one of my favorite interviews that I've done. So I don't need to give a massive intro because hopefully you've heard the first part. And I think the best thing to do right now is to get to part two. So here's me and Brandon Boy talking all things art. So we just obviously talked about your solo tour and if the, you know, if it comes over to the UK, that'd be absolutely amazing. But something we've touched base on quite a lot on today's episode is the meditation and how at your mid twenties, you discovered this. Now, is that how you came about also being such a huge fan and an artist yourself, not just by obviously your music, but by your paintings? painting has become such a a big part of my life over the last like i would say 12 or 13 years um it's like i've uh, rediscovered uh, a a part of my creativity again and um it's not as if my my creative process was being corroded or corrupted in any way it just i think that um i allowed for something else to kind of rush in and, and as far as like inspiration and it was painting and it seems to have uh, pried the the door open even wider to to muse showing up in my house so I'm, I'm so thankful for it what was it that kind of made you want to start i know you said you were drawing from you remember as a kid maybe just crayons and pens and felt tips and just drawing but when was it you really took a note of certain artists or styles or themes that were catching your interest and thinking, actually, this isn't more than just a drawing. This is, you know, someone's expression or this is someone taking this and trying mm-hmm. to show what they're thinking. Mm. I Well, it starts pretty early for me. I uh, It was drawing was always a thing that I suppose... Um, differentiated me it was the thing that like my friends knew like oh Brandon like he can draw that like if they needed someone needed you know in your group of friends as kids like you always need someone to be able to draw something yeah. so I really early memory for me is like I was obsessed with surfing and skating since I was a kid you know and uh there was um this artist named Jim Phillips who had a skateboard series he did for Santa Cruz skateboards uh for a pro skater called Rob Roscoff and um there was like this monster that would it was breaking its way through this target on the skateboard some of your more like um nerdy skate listeners out there or punk rock art listeners will definitely know jim phillips work but uh it was highly graphic uh almost like comic booky but violent in a way and it was on this skateboard deck series i couldn't afford the the skateboard so i would basically like draw renditions of it and then i friends of mine ended up wanting them so i would draw these different imitations of these rob roscoff skateboards for my friends and uh that led me into uh being kind of obsessed with the the nouveau artists uh from the turn of the century 
And um, so going into like my teenage years, I became obsessed with like uh, Alphonse Mucha and um, Egon Shaley and Aubrey Beardsley and all of these artists were being uh, emulated by, I found out about all those artists through the 1960s and 70s San Francisco concert poster art scene. And so artists like Rick Griffin and Stanley Mouse were kind of emulating that nouveau art style among other styles yeah. and um, creating uh, concert posters. So at 15, when we started our band, uh, we needed to, you know, let people know that we were playing shows. And um, I was like, I get to make concert posters. And of course, I'm going to do them to the best of my ability in the style of these guys who were essentially heroes of mine, like Stanley Mouse and Rick Griffin. And uh, they were, you know, the flyers that I drew were fucking terrible, but they, you know, <laughs> they, they, it looked like a 15 year old emulating yeah. Stanley Mouse, emulating Alfonso Mucha. So, um, there was that i remember being fully obsessed with it but uh, i was like really entrenched in that realm of that kind of nouveau art style for a really long time um and still to this day i'm i'm definitely taken by it but you know it just i think that it that was always the way that i knew how to communicate yeah that's always the way i knew how to express myself so i i suppose i found some fledgling identity somewhere therein and i just stayed in that very wide very uh kind of universally accommodating lane for most of my life it all kind of falls under the banner of art yeah right? of course um and so making music seemed like a natural extension of that and so i suppose what i've done over the years as you know being a songwriter and a musician i've never really closed the the door on the visual part of it either it always felt like the two things uh, complement of each other well and what's so interesting is that i found there are definitely a lot of you know artists whether they're painters or musicians who very much stay in their lane they're like i'm a painter or i'm a musician but there are, are a lot of artists out there who have a, a sort of an understanding about creativity and about their artistic process that's a little closer to mine which is uh, this, this is something that potentially can be kind of limitless. Of course. And so there's like a decision that you can make at some point. It's like, do I give myself permission to be, uh, like a free form creative person? Like, do I give myself permission to explore any avenue that inspires me? And so that's what I've been essentially trying to do. So during lockdown, something else that I started to think about was trying to find those other artists who kind of approached their process like I did. And I started this project called Moonlight Arts Collective. And um, the idea is to do limited edition, hand-signed and numbered um, fine art print series. So it kind of invites collectors in at a much more kind of uh, um, affordable price point. Yeah. You know, it's people who love to, to collect art and appreciate art. They don't have to go to a gallery and spend know 20 50 100 thousand dollars on a piece of art they love it's like there's a print which is on really great archival museum quality paper and it's signed by your favorite artist who also happens to be in that band or happens to be an actor or a, a you know nfl player or something like that and so it's funny that you mentioned 
Anthony Hopkins earlier because he's like the perfect example of that. We all know him for his incredible roles, for the personas that he's so successfully embodied over the years. But what people are kind of just starting to find out is that he's kind of a fantastic painter too. I actually have some of his pieces. Wow. I am jealous. He's yeah, he's uh <laughs> I also hear that you're the you have the same vet <laughs> in Malibu. We do. That's how I have the pieces. <laughs> yeah, that's very cool. Do you think it's kind of difficult though, because people think you should only be in one of the boxes, you can't step outside. So we mm. talked about Kat Von D today. She's one of the greatest tattoo artists in the world. She is apps. I'm not just yeah. saying this because I know her. She's unbelievable. The moment yeah. she tried to start singing and put an album out, people are like, oh, fuck off. You should just be doing tattooing. Who, who do you think you are? Is it? Yeah. Do you feel like you've kind of got this restraint where you're kind of held down because you're the singer of Incubus, because you're Brandon Boyd who should be singing? So when people are like, I don't want to buy his artwork, he should be just recording with Incubus full-time seven days a week for the rest of his life. I don't understand why he right. should be allowed to think differently or do anything else but that. Right. You know, I've had... It's been the pushback that I've gotten has been minimal, thankfully. But um, the only place that it's come from is from, uh, you know, hardened uh, lifers in the art world. Yeah. Where they're like, stay in your lane, dude. You know, and so I'm sure that my art has been judged a lot more harshly from certain factions of the art world. And the art world is arguably more precious than the music world is and we're pretty fucking precious in the music world about right. our music, you know but you get into the art world and it, it moves you into these like quasi intellectual realms and people you know trying to interpret pieces of abstract art and there's you know been 101 comedies and comedy sketches about the quasi intellectual and the turtleneck with the <laughs> you know the beret trying to yeah. dissect impressionist work and all these things and i kind of love that stuff because uh, one of the things I love about art is its um, vast subjectivity. Yeah. You know, so it's fun to stand in front of a painting with someone else and be like, "I think," you know. It's so <laughs> and then true. Have them say, well, I think, um, and you can do that with music as well. Uh, but I suppose maybe I'm just the kind of personality that I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it whether people are listening to it or not, yeah. I'm gonna do it whether people enjoy the painting or not. So um, I'm just gonna shrug my shoulders and be like, it's awesome if you like it, thank you. Uh, if you don't, that's okay too, you know? I mean, I I've done a special on this podcast called The Voice Behind the Artist, and I've had 10 artists, and I've had people like Matt Ferguson, who's, in my opinion, like the next Drew Struzman, he's unbelievable, these British artists that are gonna be absolutely everywhere, you know, that, that they deserve yeah. to be. Those guys produce work now because they've got contracts, they've got clients all over the world, massive companies that want, you know, the latest cinema release or a DVD cover and all this. What must be nice for you and people like Anthony Hopkins is that you can do it without someone poking their finger in and saying, have you finished that piece yet? Because we need it by this deadline. Right. And right. you must be quite fortunate that it isn't your main life. And you've mm. got Incubus, you've got your solo album, you've got everything else you know just being a boyfriend or a dad dog you know you've got all these things in the world <laughs> that take up your time but isn't it nice that's a great band name but yeah dad definitely um let's copyright <laughs> it now because otherwise someone will right. steal it but it, right. but isn't it awesome that it isn't your main you know you don't have to live and breathe it you can pick up and draw if you want and it doesn't matter because yeah. it's for you and surely that must be refreshing yeah. because 
you know, even with Incubus, you've got deadlines, you've got tour deadlines, you've got albums, you need to make sure you get this done, but it must be really refreshing just to be able to just do it when you want. Without a doubt. Um, I, um, I always dreamed of, of having a, some artistic or creative outlet that, um, was free of, uh, it was freed from that kind of capitalistic matrix of sorts, yeah. you know, where I, I didn't need to um, adhere to any kind of deadlines and it could be something that was much more of a free form of expression. And uh, painting for me is absolutely that. That being said though, music has become that as well as, you know, Incubus is well on the other side of its, of its biggest days. We still, um, are so fortunate to have so many listeners and so many people paying attention, you know, relatively speaking. And, uh, but the music that we put out when we put it out, we, we set our own deadlines at this point. Yeah. You know? Hey, I'm, it's me, dad dog. I'm talking. Dad dog. <laughs> that album's going to be incredible. That band. Right. We're just going to, we're going to record barks and all tune them into melodies. And then people will <laughs> listen and be like, oh, with a chai latte sitting there in a gallery going, I can see what Mark and Brandon tried to do there. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll always be the one person in the back going, this shit sucks. I like their older <laughs> stuff better. <laughs> They've sold out. They're not what they used to be. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I love that his little dude. That's incredible. It feels weird when I have to like scold him yeah it's one thing if it's like my other dog's name's billy it's like billy and it feels kind of yeah real and she listens when i'm like little dude he's like <laughs> what's it like when, what's it like when you ring the vet and they're like um yeah that's fine you can bring them in what's the name uh little dude yeah they, i've been asked before like is this his hip-hop his hip-hop name which i always <laughs> answer like yes little, little little dude so you're sitting there you're sketching you're doing what you want and you've got this whole collective now which is incredible under this gallery you're talking about how people can get their work and put it out at a good price because what i do notice with a lot of the bigger bands now like metallica pearl jam they work in conjunction with Mondo and all these other galleries. So when they go on tour, yeah. there's incredible each night, like Foo Fighters at the moment and Queens of the Stone Age, they have these incredible pieces of artwork by these commissioned artists every night, but you can't yeah. buy them because they sell a hundred and they sell for $200 and then you get home and you want it and it's $2,000. Yeah. And it sucks yeah. being a fan. It's really sucks because you want that kind of, oh, I was there, look, I've got this, but you don't, no one can afford it so yeah it's really nice to hear that you're kind of catering for those people that just want that really cool print that's signed without absolutely busting their balls for it yeah there's that's the idea at least i mean the way that the the economy works unfortunately is that there are people that you know it's with like the ticket scalping phenomenon and it's like oh they're sold out in 10 minutes oh you can get a ticket but it's going to be you know, 15 times the price. Yeah. That's one of the unfortunate side effects of the way our, our, our market works in the world today. But the, the idea is essentially to make uh, museum quality prints from our favorite artists available to everybody. Yeah. Um, they are going to be limited in their number. So it will be kind of like a, you know, the first to the, first to the gate gets them first. Um, but then I'm going to start encouraging people to like, you know, preserve them correctly and then, you know, create like a trading economy amongst them. Like, Oh, you have a, 
you have a Mark Mothersbaugh, you know, 10 out of 100, I'll trade you my uh, Norman Reedus Amazing. 15 out of 200 for that one. And it, it's just this, this is how mine and my friends have been, yeah. and my friends have been operating for quite a long time. So to me, there's no reason why we can't start to encourage that kind of economy as well through the internet. And, and with your join, this is what I asked every single artist for my specials, but do you find yourself being able to just draw for the love of drawing still or in your head and heart have you got a project in mind are you like i want to get this finished i want this to be a certain thing or are you just enjoying the fact you can sit at home switch off and let that art and that expression and everything being displayed through what you're trying to create mm. it's it it's both to be perfectly honest there's um i'm at a point with my painting career, I guess I can say now at this point that um, there are certain, uh, there's a certain level of demand for it. Um, for instance, right now I'm been preparing work for a showing in uh, Aspen, Colorado, which there's this um, really cool event space out in Montauk uh, in New York called the Surf Lodge. And I've uh, done art curation for them for three, three years they've been operating um, once during the pandemic and two times before. And so I've done three different curation projects with them. And so I, I do a bunch of my art and then I bring in other artists that I know and love into these event spaces. And they're, so they're gonna do an event in Aspen that's called the Snow Lodge instead of the Surf Lodge. And so I'm curating it, but I'm also showing a bunch of my work. And so that one has deadlines and they're and they had like a specific uh, mood and color palette in mind, but I don't really, <laughs> even though it is technically like working, I don't really see it as work. No. It's still play for me. Yeah. Um, because I ultimately get to decide what it is that's being shown. And, um, but in amongst that, um, I like just last night, for instance, my, you know, my girlfriend, Sarah is, uh, she's a retired ballerina and she's a, an actor and a producer now, but she, um, is kind enough to sit for me. And just I get to sketch her, yeah. Um, and it's something that we do, and it's there's no other reason to do it than just for the love of drawing. And she likes seeing what I'm able to capture in these little like sort of five minute poses and things like that. So, art is one of those things where it can be specific. It can live in deadlines, and you can you know point it exactly towards uh, market research and and the demand and all these things, but it, it can also be this free form, beautiful, uh, limitless, but also sort of pointless expression. Like there's no reason to do it other than to just do it. And that's one of the things that I love about it. Little dude, relax. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I really want to keep this on the episode because I think it's cool. All the dog owners out there be like, I can relate. Right. <laughs> I like to imagine when dogs are doing that, they're probably barking at other dogs. I like to imagine them just going like, hey, hey, fuck you. Yeah. Hey, hey, fuck you. And they're like, hey, fuck you too. Fuck. And they're just yelling at each other. <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose there will be a point, and you may have already got it in your head, but is there a moment that you would love to have a collection of your work to be able to put out in the shape of a, a huge really nice mondo style you know bottleneck gallery kind of book that your fans can buy that is just all your work that mm. would be a collection of the i mean it must be hard because you'd be trying to 
whittle it down to maybe 30 images that you'd be really proud of that you wouldn't want to be like, oh, I just want to touch this one up and this one isn't finished. But do you think the fans would ever be able to get a collection? I see people like photographers like Jason Lee who are now putting out their work and it's so good to yeah. see. But I was wondering if you'd ever consider that. Yeah, for sure. Um, book publishing was something that I um, always dreamed about doing since I was a kid because I, I grew up uh, fascinated by not only books with my favorite artists, but just books in general. And so and like in my home, I'm surrounded by books. They are in a lot of ways, they're, they're my furniture. They're like, it's what I, it's one of the things that I collect and that's everything from just books that I'm reading, but also like first editions and rare editions and signed editions and things like that for my favorite authors. Um, so I, I actually started publishing books of my art from, uh, 2003 onward and i have three books of my art that i now have out in circulation the last one came out in i think it was 2014 yeah it's called so the echo but uh a, a kind of uh a, a a compendium of sorts of of my best work i would love to do and i think that the next book that i release should be that and I would very much like to work with uh, an editor. I've been the editor so far, and it would be fun to have an objective set of eyes um, coming in and looking at kind of like the scope of the work that I've produced up to this point and have them. I'd love that opinion yeah. to tell me as opposed to me being like, this is my best, which is going to change on a weekly basis, you know, based on whatever the newest painting that I've done is. So the answer to your question is yes. I think that would be a really great idea, and um, a new book is overdue. So, and what, what about the, the opposite? It's like a B-size collection, but the ones that didn't make the final cut. There must be pictures that the public haven't seen that you you love, but they're just you don't love them enough to put them out. I'd love to, you know, everyone gets the B-sides or the rarities albums for music, but mm. no one really gets to see those un finished pictures or those ones that didn't make the cut unless someone's died or they published people's diaries and stuff. But I bet there's some stuff out there yeah. that the fans would love to see. I think that's also a fantastic idea. I have uh, uh, dozens and dozens of sketchbooks from over the years and most of the work will never get seen. Um, and uh, it's going to be funny because if, if a, a retrospective comes out, posthumously there's going to be a lot of like dick drawings people are going to have a very <laughs> different idea <laughs> i'm actually sitting at my desk here in my office and i have uh a little sketchbook that i started on the incubus tour bus where i i just called it the exhibit incredible and uh i will I put a screenshot that. of this up for instagram and twitter and facebook so people do know because yeah, it's important. So I've been uh, I'm seeing ones in here I haven't seen before. So most of them are mine. But uh, every once in a while, there's one from like this one's from DJ Kilmore. And it's the, the peanut incredible guy. But it, but it's a dick. Um, this to me would be an amazing I was gonna say just sell book. that. Yeah. Um, there are so many in here that are just they're so ridiculous. But it would be a really fun coffee table book. I'm sure the exhibit Honestly, this will be the podcast that launches a new band for you and now a right. book on dicks. <laughs> right. This is it. <laughs> Exclusively bought by men, too, because this <laughs> stuff isn't as funny to girls as it is yeah. to guys. <laughs> That's incredible. 
<laughs> do, do you ever switch off and just relax or you know not create because you're so busy doing your solo record you're going to be even busier doing a new incubus record not including lockdown where everyone got a two-year you know pass but you draw you are a dog dad you want to be a dad you said yeah when do you ever switch off and just not do anything or are you just not that person do you have to always be creating and making something um you know this is actually a really fantastic question because it speaks to what to me is a little bit of a um potentially toxic part of our western culture here in like uk europe us where we have this and i think it might be i can't speak for for you guys there in the uk but i'll just speak for the us there's something about being um perpetually productive that is kind of baked into our culture here and like when you see friends and you ask like how are you and they're like oh god so busy it's like something that you just have learned to repeat constantly and so it's if you're not busy, you're telling everyone that you're busy just so you can keep up the illusion of productivity. And I don't think it's actually a very good thing. I think that it's one thing to be um, have busy moments in your life. But I think that if we don't have moments to switch off and moments to be bored and to engage in um, lovingly pointless activities, um, like going for a walk, um, Meditating, meditating, once again, meditating is a perfect example of something that I don't do it anymore to achieve a result. I don't really, I'm at a point in my life where I don't think I need a reason to sit still and close my eyes and be free of thought for 20 minutes, 40 minutes yeah. in a day. It's like, um, how long do we spend, you know, getting ready to go to work? in the morning or get to, to face the day. It's like you brush your teeth, you take a shower, you get dressed, you eat, all these things that are kind of um, externally putting yourself together to go out and face the day. But for some reason, it's frowned upon to take 20 minutes and close your eyes and sit still and be still. I want to personally, I want to like normalize that at least I've normalized it for myself, but I'm trying to, as I start to build a family, I would like to normalize free time uh you know free free range parenting i've heard that term recently and that sounds fantastic to me yeah my brothers and i were raised uh in a kind of free range style like we grew up here in the santa monica mountains and my pop uh taught us how to uh treat a, a rattlesnake bite and he armed us with uh like a knife wow and a snake bite kit and then he, he was like be back before dinner and so my brothers and i would like trudge Christ. the hills we learned how to like treat a snake bite we learned about what plants we should stay away from we learned about what plants you could eat you know and there's still so much more to learn but it was a really cool way to grow up it had its pitfalls as well obviously it can be incredibly dangerous if you send um somebody unequipped into the woods but um for us, it was wonderful. We had just enough time to be bored that we wanted to learn how to make music. Yeah, We had enough time to be bored that we wanted to draw. Um, so the fact that making music and painting and drawing has become a kind of 
productivity for me and has led to careers to me is almost an afterthought you know like when i'm doing nothing like i love to i love to sketch and i don't do it for any other reason than it's just what i love to do does that make sense no, massively it's strange because throughout my 20s and 30s i'm 39 now but for the last 20 years I never said no to anyone. I was always doing everything I could to please everyone, to just go out there. Mm -hmm. Do you want to go to a gig? Yeah, I will, because I didn't want to miss out. Do you want to go and do this tonight? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'll go to that party. I didn't want to go, but I just always right. didn't want to be the person that missed out on the most amazing night. Do you want to be in a yeah. band? Yeah, I do. Do you want to be a podcaster? Yeah, I do. And it was constantly stuff. Now, it's only the last two years, uh, me and my girlfriend, we've got dogs. And honestly... I get more now from just holding her hand, putting a coat on and walking into a woods for two hours, getting yeah. lost on an adventure, finding a waterfall or just some amazing plants and trees or, you know, smelling natural garlic, whatever it is, being mm. out there, having an adventure, coming home, putting a fire on and just sitting down gives me more satisfaction than any music festival, any rock and roll night of getting pissed and doing drugs anything right. honestly and maybe i sound like an old man but i'm at that point now where i find the peace in the smallest and most simplest things that i used to just never even knew existed that cost nothing yeah right that's the wild thing right is that these experiences are readily available and they're essentially free um and what's so weird as well is that these are the most sort of natural activities that human beings can kind of engage in and we're so on the teat of uh, I suppose it's just like a it's it's a system it's a psychological system we've been indoctrinated into that is telling us over and over and over again that if you're not being productive that you're you're not being useful yeah to the world like you're failing yeah and that's a shame because to me the exact opposite is true I feel like when you make space in your life for that walk in the woods and we can use that as a kind of uh, a larger metaphor in yeah. the situation when you make space for that walk in the woods you're actually when you do go into your areas of productivity you you kind of end up being more productive massively That's the weird irony of it is like it's it's more about the quality over the quantity and um so yeah i i going back to your original question in this regard like i i I have a I have a busy mind. I, I have a lot of chatter that goes on, but um, with different kind of like neuro hacks and different techniques that I've been um, learning about over the years and continuing to learn about, I've been arriving at a place which feels so much better. Where it's like I I I know that if I make time to space out and sit and not do anything and just smell the air, go for a walk. Uh, play with my dogs, um, you know, do some archery in the yard. Uh, when I do go back into the studio, I'm far more productive and far more creative. It's like it's I'm making space for better things to move in. I hope that when people listen to this, that's something they take away from this episode because it's so important and it's things I've probably taken for granted. And, you know, we were on holiday a couple of months ago in um Pembrokeshire and we just sat for a couple of hours didn't say a word to each other and just watched the sun go down 
and mm. the way that we looked under those lights that was so different i have never seen before because like an orange tint in the air the birds yeah. sounded different the sea was calm and it was just like i've never found that peace inner peace or even just outside ever and it's been there mm. for thousands of years and it was just it's just waiting there it was for just you. waiting and now it's there we're going back again next month and we got going again in april because i can't get that from anywhere else yeah it's so true and what's so wild about that as well is that those are those, that moment where you were essentially doing nothing yeah from a certain perspective you were sitting what were you doing nothing you were sitting there and we were basking in the light that's the memory that you're going to take with you yeah. for the rest of your life not the busiest day where you were running from place to place trying to be as like quote productive as you possibly could but the moment when you sat with your beloved in the beautiful light, yeah, it's you'll amazing. take that to to your grave, and that's an incredible thing. It is, you know. And I really feel like we we would all <clears throat> do a lot better to take a little bit more time like that, especially with the people that we love and that we cherish. You know, it's it's like a photo that never needs to be developed or printed or put on Instagram. It's just there for me, for my partner. Exactly. And you know what? It's yeah. the best photo in the world yeah that's amazing man it is good i love that story there's something that i ask every person that comes on the podcast and uh you're not going to get away with it but what advice do you give to people now normally i ask this to artists about what do you do to get into the world to create art to get seen to get noticed when everyone's attention span and moment of limelight is seconds now you go on spotify you listen to a song you delete it you right. go on netflix you watch your absolute masterpiece of a film that people have created over five years you watch it and then delete it nothing mm -hmm. is sacred in the way that you'd queue up and buy a record you would not you know you go to the cinema or wait for that dvd to come out but as a musician a songwriter a frontman but also an artist what advice do you give to people now that want to do well in the world through their means of art because of instagram and Twitter and Facebook and everything else, everything can be so disposed of so instantly. But what advice mm. do you give to people that would love to just be seen and get out there and that are listening today that want to be like you, that want to have that album, to have that piece of art mm. or have that moment on stage that may be thinking it's impossible? Right. It's a really challenging question because... Um... The desire to be seen, though uh, universal, you know, all of us want to be witnessed in some capacity and we want to feel like we exist. Um, even if you get that fleeting moment, that kind of quote, 15 minutes of fame, even though 15 minutes is, would be a long. Because that'd be an achievement. That'd be long, yeah, wow. That'd be an incredible achievement yeah. in this day and age when uh, we live in this era of sort of vast ephemerality we, we it's it's an attention economy and it's governed by artificially intelligent algorithms it's a very very strange place and this is going back to the front of our conversation but we live in a really strange moment in time when we're more connected than we've ever been in the history of human beings and we are lonelier than we've ever been in the history of human beings it's the strangest cosmic irony that I could possibly imagine. So advice um, to uh, an aspiring artist on how to get noticed. I honestly don't know. Um, 
it's, I mean, you, you make something and it could be a masterpiece. It could be a master stroke of some kind that you make and you put it out into the world. And it's a little bit like, um, you know, a, a teardrop into a raging river. <laughs> you know, it's like your, your emotion in that moment, is just, it just gets swiped out and never to be seen again. So I, I suppose my advice, I would steer them away from the desire to be noticed. And I would try and point someone towards um, the joy of the process of making art and kind of the, um, the beautiful meaninglessness of the creative process. And I say that from like a kind of metaphysical point of view, there really is like the making art is important, I think in the world, um, it always has been, but the process itself, it, it should only really mean something to you. And if you are painting a picture or writing a song or taking a picture, um, I would say, just be as be as in the moment as you could possibly be or learn how to be as in the moment as you could possibly be. Um, there's an amazing phrase, which is, you know, highly overused and co-opted for quite a few decades now from our, uh, our old friend Ram Dass, Richard Alpert, but be here now is one of the most brilliant spiritual um, revelations, I think, from the modern era, it just essentially is asking somebody to be radically present. And when you can be radically present in amongst a creative process, writing a song, painting a picture, you're winning, you have succeeded, you know? And um, if notoriety or if success or if celebrity accompanies that or comes on the heels of that moment, that's fine. But that's not as much fun. It's not as much fun as actually painting the picture or writing the song or being in the moment of performing the song with your eyes closed and remembering the feelings that you felt uh, when you and your best friends first wrote the song. Those are the things that really, I think, make someone successful. So I don't know. It could be all bullshit. but No, it's fucking beautiful. I <laughs> I'm sitting here beaming and uh, I've done 180 episodes now. And just that moment then I was like, this is my favorite moment. And I'm not just saying it, you know, you can probably see by my oh, face, it's you. legit. I'm like, that's just fucking beautiful. And if any, if one person listened to this or a million, I think if someone could take anything from today's episode, it's the be here now. I really do. Mm. It's so important. Isn't that a great phrase? It is. It's so simple, short. It's three tiny little words, but it's like, it's almost on par with like, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm it's like, wild. do I go and get a be here now tattoo done? But then everyone will think I'm just a huge Oasis fan. I'm like, cause I think that's one of their albums. I'm like, damn it. Oh, right. So I'm like, ah, oh. yeah. <laughs> I was even thinking, should I... you could do it like in a, in a place no one else can see. Yeah. Like right in, in your sexy spot. Yeah, exactly. That. <laughs> <laughs> There's one final question. And again, this goes to everybody and it's putting you on the spot. Um, what I do on Mark and Me to make every episode different is I ask every guest that comes on to choose the outro piece of music. So it can be Ooh. any song by any band or any film score or any instrumental. But while we've listened to today and we've split this episode in two, we had a half time and we stopped. 
I'm now going to make this episode a two-parter. It's going to be part one where we talk about Incubus and your solo record, mm-hmm. and it fits perfectly that part two is all about the voice behind the art. Mm. So let's get mm. two songs off you. And I know it's not easy and musicians struggle the hardest. I had Dustin from Frice on here the other day and he was like, I'll get back to you. I'm like, no, that's not allowed. You've got to tell me right. today. So when I ask wow. the question to you, what is the song, let's say for part one, that comes to you that means more than most songs? And it doesn't even have to have a reason, but it's something that means so much to you that as the edit is done, the interview's finished, and we say goodbye, the music kicks in, and it's the perfect outro mm. for you. Mm. Oh my God, yeah, you're right. This is a hard one. Um, I'm going to tell you my my second one, so the last song. Okay. There's a track. Um, have you heard the band? They're called A Winged Victory for the Sullen. No. Um, it's, it's like, it, it basically all the material sounds like... Um, score you know it sounds like um film score music but there is a song they have called uh we played some open chords and it's just this like really simple but like devastatingly beautiful piece of music that probably is in a movie or two somewhere but i don't know if it i don't know if that's actually true but it it feels so appropriate so cinematic so i think that would be a good um outro for the second piece that sounds epic that sounds like a huge closer like boom what i really love is when someone names a band i've never heard before and then i go and check it out and then that's all i listen to for the next two or three weeks this will probably happen now um gosh the first one that's so hard for me i would I, i i'm there's been so much new music coming out that's been so impactful to me um but there's a song that continually blows my mind when I listen to it and has done so for almost 20 years. And it's um, Jeff Buckley, uh, Grace, which is the title of his one and only album he recorded while he was alive. Um, you don't have to tell me that. I'm but, his biggest fan. I absolutely yeah. worship Jeff Buckley. I had his manager come yeah. on the podcast and he talked. Oh, wow. And we've never had him do any interviews. And he came on and talked all about the final days with Jeff and the phone call when he was found Mm. and everything. And I truly believe that Grace, for me, is the best album ever made, truthfully. But the song, Mm. Love You Should Have Come Over, everything about that song and Last Goodbye. I've said when I die, my coffin goes to the floor. All my best friends know this. Last Goodbye, I want to be played. But Love You Should Have Come Over, I just, I don't know how a human can make that sound with his voice the guitar the tone the orchestral arrangements with andy wallace it's just perfection it's a masterpiece for sure and um oh you said grace (laughs) i love it when i can use jeff buckley yeah well no that song especially the last like 20 seconds of that track yeah um even after hearing it literally a thousand times it's still like kind of like rattles my my core a little bit he was the first male singer that I heard um, where I was, uh, it, it almost confounded me that um, a man could sing that way, his range. Yeah. And it, it knocked open a whole set of doors for me towards possibilities. It, it made me want to be a better singer. It made me want to explore my range more. It was extremely inspiring to me, still is to this day, but it also um, made me appreciate you know the the deeper you dive into singers male and female and you know everyone across the spectrum 
Jeff was something out of this world there. He was a once in a lifetime talent. And so, yeah, let's do grace. I never got to see him live. I am so destroyed because I've bought his, you know, it's like, if you like Jeff Buckley, you buy every live EP, every recording, every outtake, all the B sides, all the outtakes that never made the grace recordings. And I would give anything just to see one night of him play. I know, I know that would be amazing. I, I saw him once not performing his own music, but <laughs> I grew up loving the band Shudder to Think. And um, they had a side project called Mind Science of Mind. Did you do? You, no, aware of that again, I'm writing this down now, like I'm going to be downloading and listening to this after today. It wasn't like it wasn't like amazing, but it, it's cool to listen to, especially if you like Shudder to Think. But I saw Mind Science of Mind in New York city in like the late nineties and Jeff was playing bass. Wow. And that's actually how I found out who he was. So I was like, who's the handsome kid on the bass? Started asking around, Oh, that's Jeff Buckley. And then found out about his record and then was blown away. And then of course he died shortly thereafter. So it was, yeah, he's amazing. I asked my, <laughs> I asked myself every single day what he'd be doing now. I really would love to see where he would have gone after grace. I feel wrong sometimes listening to my sweetheart, the drunk, cause it wasn't finished. I feel, mm. I feel like I shouldn't be delving into it. It's like reading his diary. Then I feel a bit wrong about it, but the sum of the songs on there and the potential and the stuff that you know would have come out blows my mind. Yeah, it's really wild considering knowing that a lot of that stuff was like there were demos and how good some <laughs> of it incredible. is too. Yeah, it's it, it could almost like, you know, dishearten someone like me where it's like, well, if your demos sound like that, I should just quit. Yeah. <laughs> Brandon, <laughs> I can't thank you enough today, truly, from the bottom of my heart for coming on the show. It's meant the absolute world to me and it just clicked from the moment we started talking and, you know, we've done an hour and a half, which feels like five minutes. The door is left open for you whenever you want to come back and if the world goes well and you get to come to the uk let's do something face to face because it'd be an absolute honor yeah i'd love that thank you so much man i appreciate your time so there it is there is the second part of my interview with the absolutely incredible brandon boyd i've been doing podcasting now for over five years with mark and me I had a list of names that I wanted when I started out and Brandon Boyd was right on top of that list. Incubus have been one of my favourite bands growing up and they still are today 30 years later. And what I love about them is they don't rely on the same sound for every single album. You hear this with incredible bands out there like Deftones, Radiohead, Thrice. It's amazing to see how they've grown and I love the fact that they're touring next year. But not only that, we get a brand new solo album as well next year from Brandon Boyd himself. But do go and check out his artwork. We talked heavily about it on today's episode. Google it, go on the site, follow him on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and check it out. His work is absolutely magnificent and you'll be blown away. I want to take the time now to say a massive thank you for Brandon for coming on the show. You were so generous with your time and I never dreamed that we would get a two-part special from this. Also, if you're new to Mark and me and this is the first time you've listened, I've got another over 175 episodes back waiting for you. I talk to actors, authors, directors, film stars, musicians and all different types of people from different walks of life. All my episodes are free and you can go on markandme.com and there's links on there to my Spotify, my iTunes, my Podomatic or however you listen to podcasts, I've made sure that I'm there for you. 
But not only that, I have a Twitter page, a Facebook page, and an Instagram page. If you've loved today's episode, please share it across your networks or tell your friends to listen. It costs absolutely nothing to do and can make a massive difference to this little podcast. I'm a one-man team. I don't have an editor. I don't have a producer. I don't have someone that goes out there and sets these interviews up for me. It's all me. I'm a one-man team and I appreciate all the shares that you guys give me. And if you really want to support the podcast, on markandme.com, there's a link to my Patreon page. Each and every month, I have some fantastic prizes from the sponsors of the podcast. Last Exit to Nowhere t-shirts, who provide me two t-shirts every single month to give away prizes to say thank you for supporting the podcast. But not only that, Vice Press, who in my opinion are the best company out there for movie posters and have some incredible artist work available. They give me some variant posters that money can't buy some absolutely outstanding variants and so many different posters available and thanks to those guys every month i have exclusives that are only available to my patreon members to say thank you so please sign up you can do it as little as one pound a month and it makes a huge difference to mark and me i just want to say to end this episode today that i want to dedicate this episode to my best friend darren wolf you my friend are the rock that i need in my life Whenever I have any issues and stuff that we've discussed with Brandon today about coping mechanisms and how to get out of the dark places, you've always been there for me. I never take it for granted and I absolutely love you. So this episode is for you, dude, and I know how much you love Incubus and I know how much you love Brandon. So seriously, thanks to everything you do for me. I absolutely adore you and I can't thank you enough for the support. And everyone else out there, I love you all too. I appreciate the support. And I'll be back in only a few days' time with a brand new episode. So until then, look after yourself, take care, and I'll speak to you all soon.